Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by Moses Pendleton. Moses has been one of America's most innovative and widely performed choreographers and directors for over 40 years. A co-founder of the groundbreaking Palabalas Dance Theater in 1971, he formed his own company, Momix, in 1980. Mr. Pendleton has also worked extensively in film, TV, and opera, and as a choreographer for ballet companies and special events. We talk with Moses about his unique trajectory to dance and directing performances, the founding of Palabalas and Momix, and his production of Alice. See Momix in Alice with Performing Arts Houston on September 16th and 17th at Cullen Theater, Wortham Center. This performance is perfect for all ages and tickets start at $39. Visit PerformingArtsHouston.org for tickets and more information. See all upcoming events from Performing Arts Houston at PerformingArtsHouston.org slash events or click the link in the show notes. Moses, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, I've been aware of your work for ages and we've long wanted to have you on and talk about um, you know, you're just a real vanguard of the industry. But having not had you on before, we always love to start at the beginning and just go all the <laughs> way back to sort of yeah. when you first became aware of dance and what made you want to explore it and what those, those yeah. early years in dance were like yeah. for you. I began uh, on a on a farm in northern Vermont. So I my basic structure is farming, skiing, English literature, and uh Accidents led to dance and Balabalus and Momix. That's that's where it comes from. But the big beginnings, the roots of my uh, roots were uh, agra roots uh, in the in the northeast kingdom of Vermont, uh, Lindenville, mm-hmm. little gem in the green, and that's where uh, uh, that's where I got my start. Uh, and my my father was. Uh, was someone that was quite keen on creating the perfect Holstein Frisian cow. And uh, these are the black and white that I showed you a picture of Holstein Mm -hmm. Frisian. And uh, 
his dream uh, became my dream uh, and uh, to create the perfect cow. It wasn't really a dairy farm. It was, it, we were really into breeding and sculpture and things like that. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time studying the anatomy of Holsteins and showing them at local fairs around New England. Uh, but to, to make a long story short, I, I, my father uh, passed away when I was 12. So he was gone, that dream was gone. And I moved on to uh, my mother, no, very, knowing how attached I was to my father, sent me not to ballet school uh, in the summers, mm -hmm. but to a ski racing camp in Mount Hood, Oregon, to, to train with the, the uh, Austrian ski team. Wow. A place called Timberline Lodge. It was built during FDR. Timberline, yes, that, that's where I. Spent yeah, I've been there. Summer. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a yeah. fantastic place, and on the glacier, that's where I learned to ski, ski well. And uh, so these Austrian skiers, Pepe Grandsheimer and Andrew Molterer, famous skiers from the '60s, who have retired and now they they're instructors, but they still maintain the gleam in their eye and the, 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 the enthusiasm and the outrage and the courage to go downhill very fast. And they taught me that. They were my surrogate family. But in, in of course, later on, when I uh, formed, uh, uh, when we formed Palabolus and then, uh, and then this, one of our early works in Momix is a piece on skis, uh, obviously might not have done that if I, my background uh, was actually not of ballet, but of athletics and uh, skiing. And so whenever you take whatever it is that you make, if you're true to your cre creative spirit, you will draw almost unconsciously on your past and your things. And so I draw on the agra and the plant and the, you know, the soil and the farming mm -hmm. aspect of it, as well as, uh, as the athletic part. And then put on top of that, I went to Dartmouth as, and graduated uh, in English, uh, English literature, and I spent most of my time there not knowing what I wanted to do, but I, at least you could, uh, you, should, you could read some cool books and uh, meet some uh, inspiring professors, and that's, that's what I did. But that also helped, informed me to, uh, to kind of have uh, developed maybe uh, a kind of poetic sense about whatever it is that you do. You just have to look at it in a certain way. These are uh, uh, formative uh, experiences. I must say also, just to, to add uh, the, the, my agra connections, pre-Palobolus, this is, had to be 19, maybe it's 1968 or something. I would, uh, uh, I had uh, came back to my father's farm in Vermont and they rented the fields to a herd of Holstein Frisians. And we put together in the summer, pre-Palobolus, uh, we put together a show that would feature 50 head of milking Holstein Frisian cows. And this was a, a theater. A lot of people don't know that the first theater we had was called the Vermont Natural Theater. And during, uh, at my family farm, uh, we invited uh, 50 witnesses, including Ellen Lovell, who was the, at the time, was the head of the Council on the Arts in Vermont. <clears throat> and we sat her on an adjacent hillside in my family farm. And I performed by putting over a white sheet over my head and leading a head of uh, uh, leading a, a, a herd of fifty milking, mind you, milking Holsteins. Uh, and the experience that the, the the program read was you would have an experience of stampeding Holsteins coming directly at you, and cows, being as curious as uh, as you know them to be, would uh, follow wherever I went uh, on on this angle, this hillside, green 
black and white, green uh, grass, and a white ghost Casper-like ghost figure that I that I played to draw them left or right, and eventually running full speed right at the audience. And just before the ha- the cows <laughs> ran over the the, the audience, uh, there was a ditch, and I dove in uh, uh, into the ditch out of sight. And as soon as they I was gone, they lost their object of pursuit, and this just started, you know, just someone rang a bell and they just stopped and started grazing and the little bell would ring and the, co- the audience was uh, uh, encouraged to move off into a, the next piece, which uh, was a, a dancer doing a, a, an imitation of a bird on one leg on a, on a spruce stump. <laughs> but it was all, uh, uh, it was a three mile uh, hike around our, my family farm with all these little, uh, interactions of human bodies and nature and, and between cows and trees and grass. Anyway, that was the, the ritual running of the, the Holsteins, which was, uh, these were the formative years that got us to think, you know, our crazy, wild, uh, escapist imaginations, you know, there seems to be a market for it. <laughs> and so, you know, <clears throat> later on, Palabalus and, uh, you know, and, and I, as I say, I went to Dartmouth uh, to be on the ski team. I was on the ski team. And the second day of ski practice, uh, I was uh, I was playing soccer, uh, and that's what the ski teams did in the in the fall. The most dangerous uh-huh. uh, exercise you could imagine: playing soccer with people who are athletic but have no idea how to play soccer. So, uh-huh. so I bet that's I, true. They end up they, they they the athletes end up kicking each other more than the ball, and I was the result of that, and and got a, a very badly broken leg my second day second day in class at, at Dartmouth and I was in the hospital with a cast up to my thigh ski career shattered uh, oh, no. I had no uh, idea my mother was one floor up dying of breast cancer so it was a bad year sat when my parents were gone at a very early age I'm there with the cast on my leg no no ski career got way behind in all the academics which was difficult up there the, you know the freshman at Dartmouth had th- three years of calculus before they took calculus one at Dartmouth. I'd never heard of calculus. You could imagine <laughs> the terror, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, but the, the short part of this is that I, I took uh, a dance class at Dartmouth to get myself and leg uh, recuperated to get back on the ski team. Mm-hmm. And then felt, felt that my dance instructor uh, at the time uh, at Dartmouth much more attractive than my ski coach. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just went, I went with the flow, you know, or, or with the flower or uh, however you say it. Uh, but that, uh, so I got involved with dance and didn't get back on the ski team. And uh, kind of that's how, you know, Palabalus uh, formed itself. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because... So Sorry, you're starting I'm so long-winded like... about this. It's, no, that's okay. Going. It's, it's all fascinating. Um, so you're starting dance at a later age than some would probably than your peers around you, but you're also starting choreography. It sounds like kind of at the same time. So how did, how was that a challenge to create dance without maybe the vocabulary that other people had, but how was it also like, I can see it also being very freeing that you can really do whatever you want because you don't feel kind of constrained by maybe that um, dance vocabulary that everyone else. Well, yes, I, I never think of myself as a dance choreographer. I'm more mm-hmm. a kind of uh, a physical visual artist. I, I, I see, mm-hmm. uh, for example, I would I see pictures. You know, as much as I'd like, as much as I uh, you love to hear me talk, I basically uh, <laughs> am a visualist who loves to blabber. 
that's right that's what right. a modcast here yeah uh no so that was very uh normal for me to go and uh work either with cows uh dried cabbage heads or highly trained dancers in the momix company for me i go in and i don't train them to dance but we, i hopefully just release them to find the dance within them and then let that uh, go in improvisational ways that it, it, it goes into the almost mad mosaic by Moses, that it has an alchemical uh, principle to it. In other words, mm-hmm. you don't really think about what you're making. You just put some various uh, elements together, put it in the mix and spin it. And hopefully it comes out, you know, a golden idea for a, a new dance or or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's leaden uh, and it's black and it sinks to the bottom of the of your mud puddle. You got to the the training is and it, and and the fun of it is to do it collectively at a certain level. I would go in and 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 get. I, I would be be more a catalyst for choreography. Go and inspire them, like my professor Cox inspired me. I have to be like him and. Give, give them some inspiration that allows them to find, you know, their dance. And then, and maybe we do it in a way, and, a, and I, from a, with an outside eye, would try to help di- direct it. Uh, I also use many other elements to create an image uh, that might be, you use dance in part, but it's a mixture of lighting, sound, mm-hmm. uh, temperature in the audience. I get most concerned about the temperature because uh, you know all of this has an effect on how whatever it is you've worked so hard at doing is perceived by an audience mm-hmm. so i have to right. in order to create i have to i i like to go outside and see what it is that moses is making you know and then and that makes it, it perhaps edits a bit in the early stages of creativity mm-hmm. it's an interesting process that i've been involved in and it's not dissociated from writing poems for uh, romantic poetry classes and, or, or, or thinking up uh, ways to uh, amuse my friends at a dinner party. You know, right. <laughs> I've, been, I've been interested in entertaining in a way, you know, and uh, uh, that's, that's something that's been fun for me. It keeps me young and, you know, now, I mean, there's 50 years that separate me from the company. And in the early days, we were all the same age. That mm-hmm. is also happening. Right. They, these young, you know, uh, I, what are they? They're they're pre pre Gen Z. They're millennials. What would they be in their early twenties now? What are they? Early twenties is still Gen Z. We're still still Gen Z. All right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> give me an idea. Yeah, Gen Z could be the next uh, full evening work. Something about in that that strata. You're talking about evolution in history. People t- put themselves not in not just Republicans and Democrats and uh, atheists and Catholics, but Gen Z, millennials and boomers. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a boomer uh, and I can't get out of it. I'm a late, a late boomer, a very late boomer. Anyway, so, uh, but, you know, in terms of inspiration, uh, many times I will, you know, for right now in August, uh, it's a, we're rehearsing for two new shows that are going out in uh all over the world, in Italy and uh, in the U.S., two different programs. But at the same time, in the afternoon, I try to create uh, periods in the day where you get certain things of reality, you know, uh, done, the dishes done, and the and the, the dance is rehearsed. 
But right. then, the, then the da-free movement hour, the club, the nightclub in the afternoon. So we go over to our barn studio, and I, like a DJ, will find cool music and everything that will uh, create the ambience. It's, I work very synesthetically. You know what that means? That, and, and there, was an, there was a movement of, called synesthesia in which painters would attribute whatever they painted to what music they were listening to that drove their brain to make those visual decisions. Mm. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer of, uh, of, uh, of and, and, and <laughs> of sound mind that, that you, uh, what you're listening to ha- might uh, be very attributable or what you're looking at is very attributable to what you're actually listening to. Mm. So when we go to make a new dance, uh, more like a, you know, Bono or Edge or something. I'm trying to make a score for them that that gives them a place to play in a playpen, an acoustical mm-hmm. playpen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that studio it needs to be worked on acoustically. I I, I have uh, speakers in each corner. The barn, the barn. We don't call it a studio. We call it the barn. Everybody mm-hmm. loves the barn. Mm-hmm. It was actually a, re- a re- renovated uh, horse barn on our property. Mm-hmm. But we go out to the barn, and now uh, I I realize. It needs to be organized acoustically. And this is, this is how I'm making the piece. I'm trying to get uh, uh, up the level of acoustics in, in the studio so that when people are out doing some kind of a, you know, imitation of an octopus, they, they do it in the spirit of this particular sound. And it might help them like a therapist. How do you get someone to free up? free up their blocks, unblock them. Mm-hmm. And then you see that ultimately all of us are infinitely creative. You just have to, you have to release those forces. And uh, I do it through humor, you know, and uh, being a good natured guy and trying to make it, make it fun, you know, because in the end, anything and any kind of work you do, uh, if you can make it fun, you probably do the work better. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're not like shutting down. You're actually expanding like uh, sunlight, you know, mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on a morning pond. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay. I mean, it's all right. No, I love we could I can just let you go all day. And I, I love these like this discussion of, of creativity and your exploration of your own mind, essentially. But I how did this all kind of how did you reach a point where uh having a company like Palabolus or then later Momix um became the sort of vessel for this creativity? At what point did you decide like we need some sort of um formal vessel okay. for yeah, no, these good explorations? Story. 
you know, a, a, a very valid question there. Uh, I, I, uh, we were very fortunate in the early days that uh, our instructor, Allison Chase at Dartmouth, uh, one of our first assignments was to make our own dance. The idea of uh, that we were making a dance, dancers who were not dancers, but knew how to uh, throw, uh, knew how to cross-country ski, knew uh, the, the other person, Stephen Johnson, was Dartmouth's number one pole vaulter. So we start using, take you uh, in, on, on a stage, we thought, what, 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 we take what we know and then put it together. <laughs> he actually did amazing right. solo. He ran down the center of the aisle with a real pole vault and pole vaulted onto the stage, wow. out of the audience, hit the, hit the floor, rolled up, did a back handspring and ah. splattered against the wall. And I said, I've oh never seen anything like this. This was pre-Cirque du Soleil, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of thing. This was very, this is late sixties, incredible. And so it was physical, but wild and, and, and put it in another context, you know, it's like putting theater, putting running Holsteins in your, in your theater or putting <laughs> <Right. in> your <laughs> theater. that kind of thing was fun and exciting. And, and we were getting academic credit for it. Anyway, we did, piece, <laughs> so we did this one piece uh, uh, called Palabolus, which is, you know, got us going. It, it, it was a, 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 a very athletic, sculptural again uh you know putting three bodies and making them look as one thing was the thing uh but it went to, to we were in someone who was the uh agent to uh frank zappa it was friendly with him uh invited us down to smith college uh uh for to perform this piece palabolus in their first month of be taking a dance class, we're performing for 3,000 screaming Smith girls to mm -hmm. open Frank, Frank's, do you know what I'm talking about? Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We opened for Zappa at Smith and Zappa came and, and the place went wild. And you're asking me why, how did you get into it? What encouraged you? This was just almost an accident that really sparked uh, our collective imaginations that we could go further with this, whatever it is. Uh, and Frank actually came out and uh, was quoted as uh, on the cover of Time Out magazine in London. Frank Zappa loves uh, Palabolus, theater of the very far out. He didn't call us a dance company. He called us mm -hmm. theater of the very far out. Hmm. I remember the uh, students going back, the and Zappa said, guys, that was incredible. Can you, uh, and they had uh, Flo and Eddie of the Turtles who were with him as well. It was an incredible concert. Uh, but he said, can you come to Iowa City the next day? And I went, oh, Mr. Zappa, we really, we would love to do that. But we have a math exam, you know, at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so, you know, so, but we went back to, went back to Hanover charged. We use that word a lot. You know, what charges you? What gives mm -hmm. you a charge? That We were charged. We sat in a cemetery, the old Dartmouth Cemetery, eating lunch, the three of us, Globalists. <laughs> we said, you know, I think we got something going here. And uh, we and and then we we had enough and we, we just built something out of nothing, really. And creating this kind of theater of the very far out that became Palabolus that uh, transformed into Momics, I guess. Tell us about that, that transition to Momics. Well, Palabolus was really a, an artistic collaborative. And I just think like any any rock band, you know, and the, the collaborations get a little stale and it didn't feel so creative. And I was quite interested in going out and, and doing something a bit more uh, where I'd have more actual control. Uh, that's changed now. I really don't care about control. But uh, <laughs> I, I also, I, I saw, you know, that 
I was doing the same thing that I was do, telling you earlier about. You, you, every beast has a different body to explore musically, artistically, and you want to bring that beast out. It could be a very quiet uh, uh, a white lotus, uh, if you were looking at certain ballerinas, that they're so delicate, you can't even breathe in their presence. They'll fall over. I love that frailty, you know, <laughs> I, I, and so I, I was seeing a, a real uh, diversity of human forms, feminine, masculine, you know, collectively, individually. Uh, that was very exciting. And the philosophies that you put out, uh, the messages uh, really are are kind of what I think about doing. And so I, I'm feeling more responsible now as to what I say and how I say it. Whereas in the early days, I had no idea what I was saying or why I just mm. said it. And I get in trouble. You know, I get a lot of trouble. And so uh, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> and it's it is different uh, because I've always lived this collective mind. So I, I'm bringing I'm kind of prefacing my latest and most powerful passion is photography. You know, I I have really found a release in, in, in working uh, solo. I call it in, in my little Joker de Parole, my puns, Sol, S-O-L, two words, etude, sun studies, you know, yeah. uh, and it's solitude. Yeah, and, and, and then, and, and, and I uh, go every day uh, studying uh, and editing and taking more pictures of, uh, it's kind of like uh, the shrinking of Monet in his latter years. He's, he was a, world traveler and everything, but he moved to Giverny, you know, outside of Paris with his wife and, and to create a, a little microcosm of the world, including uh, his lily pond, which was his ocean. And he, when he was really someone who was very attracted to the sea. And so he made his own little, as an artist, you can imagine enough. You don't, it doesn't take much. If you're a really good artist, it doesn't take much to spark the imagination, to create worlds all around you in your own backyard and, and in his own lily pond, and then mm. paint them and study them and worship them in a way and uh, live by them. You know, this is what I'm finding the biographies of, you know, famous painters and whatever, and, and I'm respecting of, uh, of their work. Uh, Monet was uh, always comes to mind because of his connection to the outside to the uh, plein air aspect of creativity. The, mm -hmm. That's that's something that I'm, I grow tens of thousands of sunflowers currently. This is part of my choreography, if you will, it, is just keeping them alive from deer and parasites and, and inclement weather. You know, I have a lot of babies in the basket, tens of thousands mm -hmm. of giant Russian mammoths that I'm growing in order to show them uh, with a video I make with my cell phone. I can do everything. You know, my, my right hand is my uh, DP, you know, and my left hand is my actor. And, mm -hmm. and um, right. you know, how I, I'm always filming my hand being the dance of my hand with a flower, sketching uh, splots of shaving cream in a mud puddle to create kind of mm -hmm. modern like sculptures. I just, I want I want to hear about how all these outside things, um, are in like the photography you're doing and like and caring for nature or like raising sunflowers and uh, how does that impact the work you do like let's let's talk specifically oh, yeah. um about a work that will be seen um at performing arts houston later which is um alice 
uh, and like, are you? Are, how does that outside work impact what the creative process is in the studio? Okay, so for example, uh, you know, my passion for flowers uh, uh, is manifested, or you wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a garden of flowers uh, manifested through Momix bodies and stretch fabric and projections in Alice, which is what we did. It was in Alice in Wonderland as well. You know, the the mm-hmm. plant world is another uh, area that finds itself easily in the in whatever works that Momix has ever done. That, even even to the point there. Their pieces of it in baseball, you know. So I've, mm-hmm. I'm always moving uh, in the floral and a floral uh, footstep, uh, even though the flowers might be like lilies floating on, you know, a, a liquid surface that was reflecting something above. You know, that was the whole thing about reflections. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the one thing about Alice, and, and I must say, it's not Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. It's Momix's Alice, right. mm-hmm. and so by by that, uh, we mean that we used Alice to inspire us to make our own Momix show inspired by Alice in Wonderland or Alice Underground, or as many people who come disgruntled from seeing Alice, these are all Alice Cooper fans. <laughs> you know, it could be that. You know, there is a part of it. You know, it's all, and, and like in the word Momix, it's never one thing. It's a mix of mm-hmm. light, uh, imagery, uh, iconic uh, characters drawn from Alice in Wonderland, like you were dreaming Alice in Wonderland. And, and there's a slash of the Cheshire cat and a, a movement of a, uh, of a tall lady and, and just enough things to, to, to right. because we were playing with the fact that most people know Alice in Wonderland. So that is the first movement. The first movement is what we think the audience uh, understands when you say Alice or Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. You know, they all want to bring their kids, right? You know, everyone was by Disney. Uh, just recently, someone asked me, did you ever, were you inspired by the book? I said I was more inspired by other people's inspirations of the book, namely Disney. Right. Disney mm-hmm. putting, put was like, I grew up on Alice in Wonderland, only through how Disney and their writers and, and animators uh, translated Alice in Wonderland. And, and, and in fact, in my research about uh Lewis Carroll and uh, Dodgson and, and, uh, and the in, uh, initial book, you would never would have heard of Alice in Wonderland if it wasn't the, for the fortune, uh, fortunate uh, occurrence of having one of the great illustrators, uh, Tenniel, illustrate Carroll's mm-hmm. first book. So it was really a book that you looked at as much as you read. And right. it was, it's always being uh, translated uh, visually. Uh, that's what Lewis Carroll hoped would happen with his book originally, he his main goal in the end was to have Alice in Wonderland as a musical comedy on, on the West End in London, of which he oversaw over a hundred productions, attempts to do Alice in Wonderland to his uh, mostly to his delight. That's how he he was doing dramaturgy for for a live show. Mm. So it's a lot. It's fascinating, and and so uh, and many people throughout. Uh, so it was always meant to be visualized, illustrated, played with. Uh, another uh, inspiration was Salvador Dali, who was commissioned to make 12 paintings uh, uh, based on Alice in Wonderland. And if you didn't know that first off, you would have no idea what it is you're looking at. You would say, that's a very interesting Dali. But you right. see, he, he, he would take liberties. And so what Alice is doing is bringing out the Alice in you. 
or in right. Moses or in Momix or in Dali or in Tenniel. That's what this book has been doing. And mm-hmm. and what did what did Disney draw from the book? Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so right. we we took a lot of liberties with that with that I with that uh, we had permission therefore to go ahead and make something that is not the book. The, the real Lewis Carroll aficionados will go go away from the show a bit perplexed, perhaps, <laughs> because they right. they want to say, "Where's the trial? Where, why isn't it? Where, you know what, what? What is what is Humpty Dumpty doing in Alice in Wonderland?" Of course, you know Disney mixed Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. They just took characters out of one and the other and mixed them together. And basically, it's about going down the rabbit hole, you know, and then going down the rabbit hole. Kind of in in today's kind of uptight political scene is, is a negative. For me, that was always a positive. That was almost a necessity. And we've made a show using projections, music, uh, strange dancing, and referencing Alice in Wonderland to some kind of experience uh, where you just go nonstop down a moment's rabbit hole. And hopefully, you know, you were inspired by it and walk walk out with a little less gravity in your step. We're excited for um, the audiences at Performing Arts Houston to get that inside look into your brain and your art and everything that inspires you. It's been so wonderful to hear about all of that. So we hope everyone will come out September 17th to see Alice. Moses, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated it. Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit Conversations on Dance Pod, pod.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.